Seamus. Hello, Chris. So, uh, nice to have you back on the show uh, sooner than I expected. Uh, but I decided, you know, I was going back through your blog, reading your Arkham City post and some of your stuff about Batman. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to replay that game. I replayed Arkham Asylum last year. It was interesting going back. And I, I, I just want to want to get back and get a feel for Arkham City. And after playing a bit of it and thinking about wanting just I just wanted to, like, talk about it partially because I find your the, the fact that it's one of your favorite games kind of fascinating um, because if you look back through like most of what you discuss, well, most of what you play on your blog, it's been different lately. I think in some ways, cause you like, you've branched a bit out with like star Wars, Jedi fallen order. Like I, I think a lot yeah. of people came back and it's like mass effect is probably mass effect is part of what did it too. It's like big PC RPGs, you know, the legacy of Bioware, um, the legacy of franchises like uh fallout. So, that probably um, created a bit more of an impression on my part, but um, which is funny because I've been following you since I was in college, so it's been a long time. I should know right, but right. But I did, I did focus on narrative stuff. Like that's all I talked about, and so it's it's. I, I can understand why that seems weird to have me obsess over a game which is really all about the mechanics. Yeah, but it's even beyond that. It's like it's interesting that it's Arkham because when I think of Arkham Combat, it, like my first comparison point would be like the Assassin's Creed games, right? It feels right. like it's an evolution of Assassin's Creed. That's how most people received it. Like they played Arkham and it's like, oh, this is like Assassin's Creed, but better. And so, <laughs> right, which is odd because you know it came before a lot of the Assassin's Creed games. Yeah, but it's it, like you could say that Assassin's Creed is like Arkham, but worse. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, honestly, my feelings towards Assassin's Creed after the first one is that, eh, which is funny because right. nobody, nobody like the the first game was a solid like C grade, like it was seventies across the board. But that's that's a whole nother day. Um, but that's also where, you know, when it came to, and one of the reasons that I find this interesting is like Marvel Spider-Man comes out. And I think even in your Fallen Order, you might've made a couple of comparisons, but I don't think so. But with Spider-Man, you did a lot of comparisons with Arkham City and the Arkham games. And to me, the interesting thing about Spider-Man was it felt more like a character action game. So to me, most of how it played and felt was more comparable to a Bayonetta or to a Devil May Cry or one of for one one, one of these games versus Arkham city. And I wanted to figure out, firstly, it's like, okay, so what, what, what about the Arkham games really grabbed you? Do you have a background in other kinds of pummely action games of this style? And then, um, I guess, I'll also deliver my thoughts and experience when it comes to the combat. And we'll eventually get to like discussing the plot and stuff. Uh, but as I warned you, sure, because I'm also, again, like I wanted to go into Spider-Man for a little refresher. We'll probably do a lot of comparison, both in terms of world navigation, storytelling. So this is going to be a big and probably spoilerific for Arkham city at this point. Um, podcast, but yes, enough talking from me, uh, have at it. All right, so 
the the Arkham games, yeah, it is weird that I got into them. And I didn't at first. I played Arkham Asylum and I was like, that was cool, I guess. That was amusing. But I thought of it like a lot of other really disposable games. Like I've got dozens of of games in my Steam library that, you know, you plow through them in five hours and never think about them again, right? Yeah. And that's how I thought of it. And um, then... I played Arkham City after that, and Arkham City is when the series really grabbed me. Arkham City, and it's kind of unfortunate. I consider that to be the best brawler. I know I'm the only person that thinks that. (laughs) But for me, it's the best brawler, and I played it first. So every time I play another brawler, thinking, oh boy, I'm going to get more of that. It's always like, oh, this is like Batman, but not as good. (laughs) So everything. So why did I fall in love with this game? Uh, the one thing I love, the um, I love that it is um, perfectible. You can, mm. if you get good at the game, you can get through a fight without taking a single hit. And in fact, that's totally doable. That's a reasonable thing. That's not like, oh, once you reach top tier godhood, you know some super expert speed runner can do that. You know, that's capable of frame perfect inputs. It's like, no, once you master the game, that's a totally reasonable thing to aim for is to get through a fight without taking a single hit. Yeah. And that's that, that I really love. And the fact that that seems impossible at the beginning. So it's, offers a huge um a huge skill ceiling and this is something that just modern games are so afraid of okay outside of the dark souls realm okay as soon as you get away from dark souls games skill ceilings are generally low you can be a first time player and you'll get through the game you can be an old hat you know you've been playing games for 20 years you'll get through the game and your playthroughs won't be that different. Where meanwhile, you know, if you watch an expert versus a newbie play Dark Souls, it's like night and day. An expert running around naked, fighting with a spoon, slaying these huge <laughs> boss monsters without ever getting hit, versus somebody who dies 20 times to the first zombie they run into, yeah. right? Yeah, or the guys that, you know, not only do the whole run naked, but they do it at the starting level as well, so they never level up. Right, right, yeah, just absolutely every disadvantage, but they know the timings, and so that enables them to play the game, and, and, you know, it takes a bit of patience, but they can do it, and it's such a massive difference, it's a night and day difference, you can immediately tell which kind of player you're watching, where if you're watching an expert Borderlands player, it's like, yeah, you know, the two of them side by side, you'll be going... You can go, oh, yeah, this guy's clearly a little better than the other one. (laughs) But it's not like this massive, like, one person dies every 10 seconds and the other person never takes damage, which is the kind of delta you get in Dark Souls. And you don't see that in, like, a Borderlands or an RPG, right? Yeah. You don't see these huge gaps of skill kind of a thing. Right. You can certainly do better, but it's not this massive, massive difference. So I love that Arkham has that huge difference between newbie 
and master so that you can feel yours every time you go through the game you feel like wow i am so much better i am a god compared to how i used to be and then you go through the game again and you're like oh i thought i was good before but now i'm actually good and then you go through again and you're like the previous time i didn't know what i was doing but now i really get it you know and you keep like gaining this insight and the game gets deeper and deeper yeah and i very much it's funny because i've recently and of all franchises too one that you absolutely love uh resident evil village came out last month and i've <laughs> i've gone through the game three times now and i'm i'm actually replaying resident evil 4 because i don't want to play resident evil village a fourth time and start burning out on the game but that's how much right. i love it and it is one of those because it's like and, and it's funny because i'm going to have some stuff going up this week uh regarding it resident evil I, is a franchise that is very much built on that sort of like your first one's going to be sloppy uh be it both in combat and your navigation of the environment but then you know especially by my third run through village i'm playing the harder difficulty but i'm going through like castle dimitrescu is one of the big set pieces and i'm just like going through i've got it all figured out and i'm like appreciating the level design because it's like this is so like it flows smoothly when you know right. what you're i've doing. watched i actually watched one of your vods from one of your twitch sessions oh really yeah yeah and um i thought geez these new these new resident evil games sure are toothless this looks so <laughs> easy and then i realized hang on no, Chris is just super good at the game. That's like, funny. That was my first run through and it was terrible. <laughs> oh, that was ridiculous. Like you immediately, oh, here comes this guy. It was, um, I don't know, some monster with a glowing thing. in the Oh, chat, you were watching right? the Heisenberg Factory. You were watching the last stream then. Yeah, that's the Heisenberg yeah. Factory. Yeah, that, and you'd whip out a rifle and shoot that and then dodge his attack and then shoot it again. It's just like this <laughs> perfect dance where if you screw any of that up, you're going to take a massive hit. Yeah, you actually and, do and, kind of. Um, and yeah, oh, I could talk about Resident Evil. We, we did a whole podcast on it last week. It was two hours long. Um, so yeah, but that that's what i mean though because it's like if you go back then into the harder difficulties and you know you're going through and again resident evil 4 has got elements of that um the original resident evil has elements of that so there is that's a different kind of mastery um and it's funny because i was watching today during work there's a um speed run someone did that the the resident evil 2 developers reacted to that this guy ran through the entire game in 49 minutes and wow that he was pulling off stuff that they weren't even aware was there like there's one part where you're supposed to hide from a guy and he can actually just walk right by you without seeing you in just this one spot and they're like oh wow that would be considered a bug if we knew about that like oh goodness so right um it's like stuff like that and that that's where on one hand those guys are like that's the D dark souls thing right those guys are so extremely practiced that they're able to just do all of these combined with exploits and then just raw skill and stuff like that versus, right. you know, and yeah, it's like, I, I actually really appreciate that too, going through a game. And that I think goes into like my background where I actually wasn't very good or very big on character action games. Like the first time I really played Devil May Cry, like I played DMC four back when it released 
but I never, like, I wasn't really huge into it. And I played on the easiest difficulty and still had trouble. I played the Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2, oh. and I still, I still struggle with Ninja Gaiden 1, like, Ninja Gaiden 2. I never beat Ninja Gaiden 1. Um, Bayonetta, the first time I played it, I didn't actually get it. I didn't think it was that great. Um, then, of all things, it was the Ninja Theory DMC Double May Cry with the really bad so much of everything. Uh, but it was the combat in that which started to get me to really get it. And Wonderful 101 by Platinum Games, that's where I started to really get it. And after that, I went back to Bayonetta. I started playing more of these different entries in the series. And then I started playing um, a couple of years, like before Devil May Cry 5 released, I played um, the original Devil May Cry. I played Devil May Cry 3. I played Devil May Cry 4 again. And then Devil May Cry 5 comes out and it's... Like, man, these games are really good. And they're similar. Like, the, all, most right. of these games are designed to, you know, you go through on either the human, the, well, on Devil May Cry, it's human difficulty, which is the easy mode, or the Devil Hunter, which is the normal mode. And then you beat it and you're expected to go in the hard mode. You get into the hard mode and battles are completely remixed. You'll have enemies from near the end of the game appearing at the very start. Uh, Wonderful One d goes like this. Like, there's so many of these character action games now that work this way so that I like that. That's what I really started getting into the past few years. And I always viewed the Batman Arkham games as being sort of this different thing. They're, they're an action system. They are a brawling system, but it's sort of like this cinematic brawler, I guess is the best way to put right. it because like Devil May Cry is about being stylish, but it's very different where like, I feel like there's a, an empowerment from the beginning in like Assassin's Creed or Batman, even though you could very easily screw it up. Um, but that's also what I find interesting when it comes to Batman and coming at it and then comparing to Spider-Man. Cause the reason I realized I had that comparison is that Spider-Man feels more free to me. Batman is very much about that rhythm of the punches and the flow yeah. and the oh, rhythm yeah. of combat oh, yeah. and reaction to enemies that it doesn't feel as free to me, if that makes sense. Sure. Spider-Man offers you – there. Spider-Man has a lot more options and Batman, you just got to trade punches with these dudes. Yeah. Uh, and um, – yeah, yeah, I can I can see that being a difference for for me the uh the magic with um Batman is that it's perfectible and Spider-Man isn't or at least I you know I've been through the game several times now and it never felt perfectible. Like sometimes mm. I'm in the middle of you know punching a dude and another dude will take a swing at me and there's nothing you can do about it. They don't have the mook etiquette of Batman where it's like, okay, they won't attack you while you're in the middle of a different animation. Yeah. And so, you know what? That is, that is one of the things that I was going to definitely bring up. Cause even though I technically, like, that's the funny thing with Spider-Man. I technically prefer Spider-Man. I prefer Spider-Man, how he feels, how he controls his moveset. Right. But Batman's missed got, <laughs> Batman's got far better enemy AI design queuing. Like I didn't get to look up and see if I could find an interview before this recording, but I feel like whoever was in charge of designing the enemies was really smart with Batman because enemies queue up. 
Like you will notice, like it, there will be yeah. people. You can see it. You can see that there's clarity in the, in the fracas. You can yeah. see when somebody runs over and you're like, he's about, he, he has about to swing. Given, he's about to swing even before the flashing, you know, tell that the game shows you. I can tell these guys are running over. I can feel that he's about to swing. So I know don't start something that's going to take a long time because you'll get hit. Yes. And like you will even see other enemies though. Like you, you'll have guys that will pick something up to throw and they'll yep. just hang there. They'll just hang there because there's a priority. And I think the priority is always to who's closest to Batman. So they'll throw something if you're not swinging for a while, or if you like keep dodging or get out of the way, get out of if the you fracas. Pl- if you play counter puncher, if you just stand there, th- they're almost a, Okay, just to be a wise ass, I just tried standing still and just hitting the counter button. Hmm. And and um, that's a really boring way to play, and it'll break your combo because they don't take swings at you fast enough to keep the combo going. So yeah. the game does, and people like say, "Oh, the game just you know has you hitting hitting the counter button." It's like no, you'll do terrible if you do it that. Yeah, you won't get hit, but your score will suck. It's the it's, that, the, it's what you say about the skill ceiling, right? It's like that's the right. floor. The floor is right. hit counter. Like that's the floor. It's like you're you're doing fine on the floor, but the rest of us are climbing up towards the ceiling. Like right. In in fact, I got a, a comment about this the other day. It's weird that we're talking about this. Like somebody randomly was reading through Arkham the other day, which is pretty <laughs> far back in my archives now, but. And somebody complained, oh, I hate the mook etiquette because it makes the game too easy. Like for them, it's like if I'm not dying every 10 minutes, every 10 seconds, the game is too easy. Uh, and I'm like, yeah. And for me, it's like when I get hit, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I got hit. I'm so upset. Yeah, oh, I, I can see that. My combo. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, I don't I got hit, but it didn't kill me. So who cares? No, oh, that's. It's rough. It's like when I see like there, the, like I did see like a Bloodborne uh, speed run, right? And the, the guy was impressive, but you find out looking at all of his other streams, every time he plays a game that's like not a From Software game, he's got nothing but complaints because it's too easy, it's too this, it's too that, and it's like, look, dude, not everything needs to be that. And it's like there's a YouTuber <laughs> I watch, right? And again, like I love these character action games like Devil May Cry and stuff and Bayonetta, but then it's like when the guys critiquing spider-man for not being devil may cry enough i'm like dude no no we don't want to sell like there's going to be like 10 year olds nine year olds 10 year olds playing spider-man you don't want to sell them devil may cry they haven't been playing games long enough like come on right and that would be thematically inappropriate to have a spider-man game where he feels fragile and he dies all you know speaking of i mean (laughs) he does that's that's the worst part. He does feel like a, a mook's punch will deal like, especially towards the beginning, That's a single true. mook's punch will deal like a fourth, like a fifth to a fourth of his health bar. It's like, you tell me he can only take like five punches to the face? <laughs> That's true. These, this is, it's true. He is very durable compared to your typical video, you know, like compared to Dark Souls. He could take quite a few hits. Oh yeah, but compared but to... Four, but for, but for Spider-Man, mooks should pr- – mook, a common, like, thug, should not be able to hurt Spider-Man. If he's tied to the wall and can't move, they shouldn't be able to hurt him. 
Like, yeah. And it's like in some ways this I, guy I, can throw a bus. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like I'm I actually have more issue with how much damage he takes than the fact that he's clearly pulling his punches or whatever. No. Right. Um but no, back to back to Batman though. That is the thing that I that I really appreciated was the AI is it provides just enough pressure because especially later on when you have the guys with the batons, you have the guys with the uh, shields, you have and you have all these different kinds of enemies with different weapons. The only thing that I'd need to observe more, like I think when you have to deal with like the big uh, the big guys with like the hammer or the sickle. Right. I feel like they are just operating on their own AI algorithm completely regardless of what else is going on. Like other guys will be attacking mm. you and they'll just swing. I think I can't say this for certain because um, after all, I mean, I haven't played the game. I played Arkham City. This might have been my third time. And there was like possibly the span of a decade between them. Uh, I don't remember when. Right. When did Arkham City but come out? I never thought of that, but that makes a lot of sense. I do notice that when the brothers, I forget what their last name is, the Russian brothers. Yeah. Um, Stephen Blum and Stephen Blum. I think they're both <laughs> voiced by, by Steve Blum. Uh, I do notice that um, if the play style I've developed or whatever, I never, ever, ever stand near them. It's get in, get a few punches and get back out. And I'll, and I never really thought about it, but I'll bet it's because of what you said. They don't have the mook etiquette. They won't wait their turn. They just swing whenever. And so you can't afford to stay close to them. Yeah, that's my best guess. Um, and I think that's one of the things that helped me to start realizing some of where I struggle with the Arkham games. Like, I, I have a feeling that if um, we managed to do the 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 collaborative stream we were talking about of like me playing Arkham Knight or Arkham Origins and you're there watching, I have a feeling you're going to be watching me and be like, oh no, oh, you're so awful. Like the exact opposite of what you said about me playing Resident Evil Village, right? You're right, going to be like, right. oh, you're so awful at this. Oh, what are you doing? Like, because this game, like I, I, I rarely manage to have a combo and this is the normal difficulty go above 20 something and this is like i go for the critical strikes as soon as i can i get like all that stuff um but, you know i have that same i have that same experience in arkham origins i could never get the hang of origins it everything always felt off and i didn't know like is this game perfectible it doesn't feel like it it feels like uh, my combo gets up to about 15 or so. And then right in the middle of doing something, somebody punches me in the butt. And I'm like, <laughs> how, how was I supposed to, I didn't have any way. It was like, I could see him starting his swing, but I was in the middle of a animation. You can't cancel out of, I don't know what I was supposed to do there. That makes it sound like they changed the mook etiquette because. Yeah. If you oh, do it, Arkham origins definitely has a completely different feel to me in how they behave and move. Um, it's definitely, I mean, it's a different developer, so I, I don't know. Did they just write the entire combat system over again? <laughs> I know, don't think so. Because when I, when I read online, basically after Arkham Asylum, um, I don't know when Warner Brothers was like, we're going to need another game before you finish Arkham Knight or like the third one. We're going to want another game. So I get, I think Rocksteady gave them the code base because I, this was, I think maybe in the, 
Sefton Hill interview I linked. I don't know. This was something else I read that was separate. Um, but yeah, they just gave the general code base to Warner Brothers Montreal. And there wasn't much said other than at the time, Rocksteady said, yes, this is canon. Arkham Origins is canonical. Uh, then again, I saw fans trying to speculate that it wasn't now, and there's nothing official to say whether it is or isn't. So who knows? Um, but now Ar uh, um, with Arkham City, though, like one of the things that for me, again, like Batman doesn't feel as free. I am restricted. And part of that is because I realized. So the game begins with you playing Catwoman. And this might be right. a or if you bought it brand new, which now, you know, everyone gets it with the return, the return to Arkham or whatever editions, the game of the year editions that has all yeah, the that, DLC. That surprised me. I, you know, I begin the game as, as Catwoman and everybody's like, no, that's, you know, pre-order bonus or something like that. Yeah, and that was, was like, originally brand new only. Not pre-order bonus. It was back when some of these companies were trying to like. You don't get the multiplayer unless you buy it brand new. Otherwise, you buy it used and you have oh. to buy it separately. Um, oh, so they wouldn't even apply to like Steam. This is like if you buy a physical copy. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Steam would automatically have it. So PC versions would automatically just have it because who buys PC games used anymore, if ever? Um, <laughs> That's not even possible. It would be nice. That if hasn't it been was. possible for a long time. I don't think. Yeah. Right. Right. So. Um, yeah, like you didn't have to open up with the Catwoman missions, but if you do, she's faster than Batman, Yeah, which had me thinking at first, if you're quick enough, you can beat a goon to their punch, literally, and even though you get the window to counter, you can attack them and cut off their attack before they can hit you. Yeah. Technically. Technically, yeah, Batman much... can do this. Yeah, technically but the window for doing it is super tight yeah. usually i only do that by accident i'm like oh no he's gonna hit me and i just tried to attack him oh whew. okay yeah I, I got away with that even though i definitely screwed up so what this left in me was a feeling that oh you if i'm quick enough i could do this and then it's like after so long of playing the game i'm like oh oh batman's slower than catwoman right okay he's, he's He's slow and heavy compared to Catwoman. Like, it's fine. He feels like, oh, he's so powerful and fast. And then you play as Catwoman and you go back to Batman and you feel like you're walking through molasses. Yeah, it's like, it's like speed up, old man. Come on. Right? But, um, no, that, that's, that, that was one of the things that got me, though, because I was, because Batman, after Arkham Asylum especially, you get used to a consistency. Um, so that introduced a little bit of inconsistency, but I also get it. It's like, okay, challenge room. If I were to do challenges, I'd probably prefer Catwoman because I do like quicker characters. Um, right. But to that extent, the, what this carried over from Arkham Asylum, but not as bad was like you mentioned the animations. And as long as you're doing an animation in Arkham Asylum or city, goons won't attack you. They let you get right. through the fancy, but. What was really they a dance around? It's like in a movie. They people say it's unrealistic. Oh, it's so unrealistic how they don't try and hit you. And I'm like, Is have it, you watched any action movie ever? Yeah, it's exactly what happens in the movie, and you don't mind. You know, they, they're just dancing around. You look at the guys in the background; they're dancing around like they're like they're um, 
doing sweat into the oldies with yeah. Richard Simmons. <laughs> uh, the 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 difference is, especially now with modern movies, the camera is cutting so quick and often that yeah. you don't realize. Whereas this is a steady, not always helpful camera focus on the 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 wide view. Which not always helpful. Oh, the camera orbits <laughs> you all the time, and it's like, oh, oh, there's that guy in the disc. Okay, well, he's behind the camera now. So um, yeah, he was there, not anymore. He was there. I hope he he was he had a chair over his head. I hope he doesn't throw it now while he's off screen. Yeah, um, and when that's ha- when that's a threat, you just have to keep moving laterally to him, so yeah. that if he throws the chair, <laughs> it'll miss because you don't have any way to 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 counter the it. Spot, yeah. Um, one of the things though, is those animations aren't themselves consistent in how long they take. So this happened more often in Arkham Asylum than it did for me in city. But most of the time, like when you do a finisher, he'll spend like so long making sure this guy never walks straight again. Right. Um, and then you can fight, but then every once in a while, it's just like punch. And then he's just, and Batman's just standing there. I'm like, oh, wait, I can keep moving. And I either get punched in the face or I lose the combo because I hesitated too long. And I think right. that's where, and I had this issue with Witcher 3 as well. Where every once in a while, Witcher 3, I'm, you know, hacking and slashing at guys. And then he decides to just do a flourish where he like chops off the guy's arm, then chops off his head. And it's like, oh, well, that just interrupted my flow completely. Right, so. right. It's like, oh, that I'm pushing buttons and he's not doing anything. And I realize, oh. I'm sorry, game designer. It's your turn. How selfish of me. Yeah. You go ahead. <laughs> oh, just tag me back in whenever you're ready. So I think that's where when I say freedom, I feel like Spider-Man as a character, if you if you just take away the enemy mooks for a minute, Spider-Man as a character to me is completely predictable or at least mostly right. predictable. When then you push a button, you know what's going to happen. You're never going to be like, oh, that he's in the middle of a different animation. So he's just going to yeah. ignore me button press the only time he ignores your button presses is during the finishers but that has that special camera angle it switches yeah. to so you you can feel it's sort of switched to, to this two second cutscene mode yeah you know it's doing the finisher and then like if you do the web swing once you know exactly the timing every time it happens right. um arkham city is a little different because again it's meant to be that like it's like the 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 the, the it's the 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 game reviewer headline that makes you feel like spider-man Ugh. or the batman right. and makes you feel like this is a cringy article and so you know they they wanted to focus on you know you're dancing around and like punching these guys one after the other dodging them perfectly like the batman until you screw up your timing and get cut by a knife uh or something right but with in terms of raw mechanics i'm I, like i still really I think what Batman Arkham games do, it's probably the best version of how they do it because like you talk about the skill floor and the skill ceiling Arkham. I mean, not Arkham Assassin's Creed one. I do. I went back to that game around 2009, 2010, because I was unemployed. I was right out of college. I was having trouble getting a job. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to collect all those darn flags. Um, I do not recommend. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> But I, because I, I was doing a lot of achievement chasing at the time. I was like, what else did I have to do all day? So I went back, but I also was like, you know what? I, I, was, I never got to do the assassinations like I really wanted to. So let me get good at the game. Let me see about doing the assassinations. But then I also paid more attention to 
the combat tutorials. And what I learned with Assassin's Creed is if you do nothing but use the counter button, you don't you don't really suffer except for reinforcements keep coming, especially uh. in later in the game. Like reinforcements keep coming. But if you know all the really like intricate stuff you can do i say intricate but it's not really but if you know like all this stuff you can really do in that game you will like wipe out like three or four guys real quick and then all of his buddies will start to wet their pants and run away oh interesting and when they do that like instead of reinforcements coming and keeping the battle going you actually open yourself an opportunity to keep fleeing so the problem is the system the game wasn't designed to really Get the player to climb, like, basically the the player's comfortable laying on the skill floor. Why bother right. getting up? Because there's no encouragement. You're not, even aware that, you're not even aware that those higher levels exist. It feels like this is what yeah. you're supposed to be doing. Whereas Batman, the Arkham, like, even Arkham Asylum tried to make sure, okay, we're going to give enemies different weapons. We're going to do different things so that you don't just rely on the counter button. You can rely on the counter button 90% of the time, but there's still stuff that, and, and Arkham City ramps that up, I think. I can't remember what is introduced that wasn't there before, but you can't just rely on the counter button in these games. So that was something that I think they did well. Though, again, when it comes to that, like, predictability, for me, it becomes a little bit more difficult because I, I don't see the same consistency in Batman's behavior. Um, but it is, again, like, of that kind of gameplay, it really is the best that I've played. I'm glad it's not just me, then. I tried, actually, <laughs> you brought up Bayonetta earlier. I tried Bayonetta um, a couple years ago. I thought I was going to write a series on it, you know, like a retrospective on it. I was like... No, it'd be interesting for me to take this incredibly famous series. And I did not get it. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I had some fight I couldn't friggin' win. And I didn't even know what I was doing wrong. That's like, a series that I feel is very... Like, I'm, I like Devil May Cry better than Bayonetta. Because I feel like Devil May Cry is less opaque. Um I think that's the word. Bayonetta, uh, the funny thing about Bayonetta is by adding a second attack button. So you got punch and then you have kick. And by just having two of those, all these combo options are just multiplied. And there's so many combos. And for me, it's like, you know what I like? I like one attack button and I have just the rhythm. Have the rhythm. Oh, great. Right. I forgot. Darksiders. I love Darksiders 1 and 3. Um, Darksiders 2, not so much. But Darksiders 1 and 3 are like character action meets in the first one meets Zelda, meets some Prince of Persia platforming. Uh, Darksiders 3 is character action Devil May Cry meets uh, Dark Souls Born meets Metroid Prime. So both of those games like also helped in well more dark side is one but like those games helped me like get good at that character action element too because they were simpler but you know it's like okay i'm learning this i'm learning this and once you get better at the simpler game you're able to take the more complex games on but right. yeah devil may cry is definitely more approachable i would say than uh bayonetta um 
because Bayonetta, I definitely like they they give you those rankings as you mentioned, um, where you you can get like the platinum rank, the gold, and everything like that. And dude, by by like halfway through the 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 game, I'm getting mostly like the stone, which is the worst you can get. Um, it's oh, those games are you don't have to be good to beat them. Hang, is it hard to actually get good at the game? You know, I had like gives me like gold ranking. Silver ranking, gold ranking, you know, kind of the, you get a B. Oh, you got a B plus. You're doing okay. And then I got to one fight I couldn't even get through. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing wrong. Did you, like, are you aware that you had uh, healing items? Uh, no. (laughs) So you can get, you can either craft or you can pick up green lollipops and those can heal your health. This is actually something I saw someone else struggling with. I was watching their stream and like way later they were like, wait, I have items I can heal. And it's like, once Uh. you have that, it's like, and the game will knock your total ranking down. If you heal, if you use a healing item, but that's where, especially for Bayonetta, I'm like, look, man, I am never going to platinum this game. I am never going to be that right. good at it. So just knock that score down. Let me let me live. So yeah, that that's that's one of those things that m- might have helped. Um, so yeah, if you ever decide to go back to Bayonetta, I'll be interested in reading what you have to say about it. Right. I'm not. Wasn't even sure. Like I felt like I was so inadequate at the game. I didn't feel like I should say any like i can't write an article (laughs) about this because people will just explain to me how i don't understand anything about it you know yeah that's that and unfortunately i've also learned again it's like the guy that was critiquing spider-man for not being double may cry enough that can be a very passionate that can be a very passionate community and boy howdy do it's it's a different version of the the dark souls community right where it's like well of course you didn't do well you need to do this you need to do this don't you know about this don't you know about this and it's like guys come on i i play other games too like come on man this is my first time i have just entered your genre and you're yelling at me because you're like come on tell us what you think of it tell us how great it is and then i'm like well i don't like it well how dare you Uh, it is a shame because part of me is sitting here like, I wonder, I wonder if I could actually recommend him something. I wonder, cause I would love to see you. I would love to see how you would respond, especially after reading your Jedi Fallen Order series, because then I, and I think I said it in your comments several times, like my big thing with Jedi Fallen Order was after I played it and I played Dark Siders 3 a second time, aside from all the bu- bugs and glitchiness, uh, that's still present. For me, Darksiders 3 is exactly what Fallen Order tried to do. But as I said, it's character action combined with Dark Souls combined with Metroid Prime. These are all the things Jedi Fallen Order did. Only Jedi Fallen Order felt like this like mishmash of conflicting ideas like the meditation and Stormtroopers coming back, as you noted. And meanwhile, Darksiders 3, one of the best things about Darksiders 3 is the only time enemies respawn in the world is when you die. So if you're good at the game, or if you are if you learn the game, again, if you learn the game enough, get good at it, and you're able to, especially even defeat bosses without dying, then you can do all the Metroid-style backtracking you want, go through, and you can just avoid combat 
it's just exploring the world, getting the items, not having to fight things again. But then the second you die, it all comes back. But it's still this interesting sort of forgiving nature that's like, we're going to take this inspiration from Dark Souls, but we're not going to be as punishing with it. You will be able to fast travel and level up and all this other stuff without bringing all the enemies back. It's only if you die, then they come back. It also has several difficulty levels. So naturally, Dark Souls fans would probably be unhappy because difficulty levels. I don't know. Like, it's, it's that whole debate. Right. But um, get back on track. Um, the other thing, though, that I wanted to discuss, and I think I brought it up in the email, or was it in my notes that I noticed as well, stealth in Batman. And you actually, in your series, did make note of something that I really do feel. You have all of these options for taking out enemies, but you don't really feel like you get the opportunity for them. Right. Yeah. It's it's uh, the one thing is hang on a gargoyle and yoink a guy when he walks below you. And that's super fun, rewarding and easy. And so it never pushes you, even though there are all these options that you can do, like crouch on a railing above a guy and grab him in some crazy way. 90% of the players have never even seen this animation, but you could do it. And it's like, the game should push you to use some of those better. Yeah. Or more, like let you know that they exist. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause, and it's funny cause in some ways I think Arkham Asylum tried more because like, there's only like one scene. I remember enemies shooting gargoyles down in city. Right. And Asylum, there were several that they did that. Um, but then they should have had, had places that just didn't have gargoyles. Like sometimes I think they tried a little too hard. Like, really? This basement has gargoyles in it? Come <laughs> on. <laughs> like, who puts gargoyles in, in it? Who has a 30 foot ceiling in a basement? And what do you <laughs> know? They're the exact same gargoyles as we're in Arkham Asylum. Right. And it's like, <laughs> You know, they could definitely have used more stealth sections where you're stuck on the ground and where all those other little things like, oh, you can burst through a wall and knock a guy out here. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Even Wonder Tower has those gargoyles now that I think about it. Right. They needed to. Oh, wow. I just realized they needed to create like the gargoyle object or whatever, the perch object and just come have like so many different skins based on the environment. But instead they're like, no, we want to make sure you know what you're looking at. And I understand it's like feedback. You see a gargoyle, you know exactly what purpose it serves. Right. But it's like one of those things in hindsight where it's like, you know, why are there all these gargoyles on wonder tower? It doesn't match the aesthetic. Right. Right. (laughs) Especially in the basement. Yeah. (laughs) In the basement of all things. Yeah. It would have done the game good to expand that vocabulary so it's like gargoyles or here's also this other bit of infrastructure that sticks out from the wall that players will recognize and is mechanically interchangeable with a gargoyle but is not a friggin gargoyle yeah but um, flag flagpole that sticks out of the wall or something like that but that's the thing even then like the the first battle in which they introduce the guys that have the night vision goggles or whatever that allow them to scan the gargoyles and see if Batman's perched there. Right. right. I leveled up that battle and immediately after I was able to unlock the ability to stay hidden. Right. I couldn't even like earn. So th- 
I couldn't even like find a gadget or whatever in the world that like earned that. It's like, oh, by the way, you could completely nullify this thing that we just completely like introduced to try and challenge you. So you can completely nullify it. Right. it. It won't matter. Um, so like that's, I think that's kind of the downside. And there's like not enough, like if they maybe, if there was, cause I know there's ways to lure them. Right. But it's not that predictable in certain cases. And it's like, cause I want to crash through the wooden wall and like, bust someone up right i want to do more than pop out right. of grates or come up from the uh gargoyles like but i don't want to just sit there waiting and so many of these like an opportunity may never come because of the way the ai works so it's like all right i guess i'm just going to glide into the back of someone's head head up on a gargoyle and then like take down somebody it's but right what i will also say that works really well and i think this lends into some of what your issue is with um the Spider-Man, because the Spider-Man is the opposite. It has like almost no options, and therefore they expect you to take guys down like the same two ways, one or two ways. Right. Um, but with Spider-Man, another thing that I notice is enemies are completely unaware of you taking everyone else out in Spider-Man. But in Batman, the game and they explain how it's like we have the heart rate monitor, right? And you right. always have like the big bad guy on the PA speaker talking to them. Those are great, such great things. You've got the bad guy talking and you've got the mooks reacting and they get more and more paranoid. And that's the thing. It's not just the reaction. It's every time you take someone out, others come in. Like they will right. come you've into got to your relocate. position. Exactly. You have to relocate. That's one of the things that's the best because... How many stealth games are there where you're able to, especially like forced stealth elements in games that aren't meant for stealth? Oh, how like, many I'm going to choke hold did. this guy, keep hiding around the corner. Huh? What's that? Guy comes around. Oh, going to choke hold him. And you got this like right. five foot pile of bodies. And the guy's like, huh? What's that? And he just, <laughs> he gets choke hold. Like, and you just sit there waiting for it. And Batman does not allow that. So again, it's like the AI no. programming. Like, so I don't, it's I, almost like you want to get away from like, once you create a body, you want to get away as far away from it as possible because they're all facing the body heading towards it. So their backs are, you know, you want to be behind them. So it immediately creates an incentive to relocate and you'll be able to pick off another one in the confusion. Yeah, so that's... Instead that's, of just go back into the same stupid hiding place and get somebody else with the same trick. Yeah, and especially because, again, it's they, they, they start to search. It's like, okay, if you're getting guys with gargoyles too much, they check the gargoyles. Again, if they shoot down the gargoyles, that's one thing. Um, but if they just check them with the, the, the light, it's like, well, that doesn't really matter much. Because um, I just bought your upgrade, you know? But then you have right. them check the grates, you have them... And sometimes they'll be back to back, right? Like you can't just like creep up behind one guy and the guy in front of them be oblivious. They'll be back to back. So you can't really get just one of them uh, without somehow separating them. Um, right. Now, again, I wanted to see, I don't know if this is the guy responsible. Again, I didn't get a chance to look up any kind of interviews or anything, but on all three games, Tim Honigan is credited as being lead AI programmer. So... I I know he's got other people under him, of course, because he's the lead. He's going to have other AI, wait, AI programmers. But wait, you said all three games. It uh, says all three games it was lead AI programmer. Because there's Asylum, City, Night, and oh, Origins. Not Origins, because he's not part of Rocksteady. Right, right. Okay, okay. 
So maybe that's so part that's of a, it. Maybe a different yeah, that, programmer was like, you know what? Let's try changing things. Like, like maybe the guy, right. maybe on the guy on, on your blog that complained about like enemies not being aggressive enough. Maybe you know Arkham Origins was listening to him. You know, maybe or Honor Brothers right. was listening to him. But that's actually very. That's actually very likely. Oh, this is a major flaw. They should be trying to punch you all the time. And it's like, yeah, that makes it harder, but that may, that also um, collapses the skill ceiling. So it's close to the floor. And you end up with the, the standard AAA game of, oh, the person who's an expert is a little better than the person who's new, as yeah. opposed to this huge skill gap. So I wanted to give like Tim Honigan that kind of a, a shout out, I guess, because it's like the AI, again, like in combat, and I'm I'm guessing because I don't know what else artificial intelligence would do. Like, I mean, I guess they would do other things too, but it's like that's the main focus of AI in these right. games, right? Right. So, like, I wanted to give a shout out to him for the combat AI being as good as it is, because again, like, and I don't even know if some of it's AI, but like Marvel's Spider Man, my issue isn't with Spider Man. My issue is, as you noted, with the enemies, and it's not even the MOOC etiquette. One of my biggest things and one of the biggest reasons why I couldn't get into any of the Soulsborns, like this was an issue in Sekiro. This was like Bloodborne was the last from soft Soulsborne game I tried. And it was the one that it finally stuck. Um, it's the one where everything clicked. And it's also the one which has this problem the least. And that's where enemies start their attack. And then just automatically magnetize pivot to wherever you move. And the, you, oh, know, you can tell I it's not that part of the animation. Crazy. That yeah. is, Spider-Man is the worst game I've seen that Yes. Because it yes. is Dark Souls, but Dark Souls is at least slow. Sekiro is slower. Bloodborne, because everything is so quick, you, like it's still there, but it's less noticeable because chances are, if you notice it, you're going to get hit anyway. Like... It's, right. but in spider-man like because that's the thing again like that's why i wanted to go back and like also play a little bit of that before this conversation because like i liked spider-man more but i gotta get back i gotta figure out like what was so wrong with it that i was frustrated and i started from the beginning i don't know if i'm going to complete the second playthrough because i haven't gotten the S sable forces yet i remembered not liking right. them so just thugs just common street thugs not only is it just their damage they do, but it's like this, the, the big brute guys, right? One starts to swing. I dodge backward and his feet stay planted, right. but it's like he skateboards across the pavement yes. for that punch to land. And it's like, no, 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 that, that is bad game design right there. I do it not is. like that. Yeah. That is, so, that is the developer cheating and saying, oh crap, you know, Spider-Man's able to dodge out of these punches too easily. He's getting, you know, people, players aren't getting hit enough. So I'm going to cheat and make right. it so... And, we, make, oh. yeah. and it would be so much better. Like, if you wanted to make it harder, you could throw in more guys. Don't make them cheat more because that makes the game less interesting and it lowers the skill ceiling. But again, players, that's, that, yeah. that's, that's where they're already, like... Because, again, enemies are aggressive. I think the problem is they didn't have a great counter to the fact that the game really wants you to do aerial combat. They want you to knock yes. guys into the air, air juggle them, pull them to you or do the web sit web swing. If you can, like I, I I'm still not consistent with it. If you can uh, 
stick to the wall. Normally you got to dodge, I think, to stick to the wall. And then you can like pounce onto a guy from the wall. But right. like, there's, there's all this stuff that you can do. But the way and but again, like this is the early part of the game. If I'm able to, to like as someone that plays games all the time, it is my primary hobby. It is I write about games. I try and figure out how they work like I should at the beginning of your game that sh- that's mainstream friendly, right? Like this is this is Spider-Man. You don't want just people like me able to play this game. So, right. If I'm sitting here getting beat up by common street punks because you keep having these guys slide across the pavement <laughs> or the, or the big guys other big guys, the it big is guys, so it is so obvious and obnoxious. And it's like the, the what were those shoes called? The wheelies with the oh wheel gosh, the yeah. <laughs> I think they're and still it, around. Yeah, because it looks like they have those. Like especially when they slide forward. Like okay, gosh. I'm far enough away, he can't reach me. Like I, I use my Arkham logic. All right, he's he's probably going to attack me in a second. I'll attack this guy over here. That'll create distance. Yeah, and I and love he, I love when there's two of them because when there's two of right. them, you can really see the lack of uh, mook etiquette because they'll their their attacks will cross over. Like one will right. start swinging, and then the other one will start swinging in the middle of his swing. So yeah. if you manage to somehow, even if you can get a perfect dodge on the first guy, you might still get a fist to the jaw on the second guy. So it's this ridiculous, like, again, it's like I said earlier, it's like, this game's supposed to be playable for 10-year-olds. I shouldn't need to knock it down to easy if I am a non, if I'm a non-hardcore game player, I shouldn't need to play this game on easy. Hard should be for the hardcore gamers like me, kind of a thing, the people that do this, like, eat breathe and sleep video games kind of a thing like that's that's what hard mode is for but if i'm playing your normal right. difficulty and street punks are able to like get almost like get me down to a third of my health it's like no yeah. you, you, you got problems and again like similar to that too is if you start something like the web swing right as an enemy is targeting you as long as they have that red line on you before you start to swing every bullet will follow your trajectory it requires psychic levels of leading like these common street punks like maybe maybe someone from sable i could believe like being aware enough to say okay he's gonna web swing let me lead but right oh that is yeah and it like i am dodging but i'm not you dodging using the dodge button so it sort of makes the everything seems so artificial yeah. like in batman when you dodge that's a dodge i jump over a guy's head and another guy that was swinging at me will miss but yeah um in spider-man they just they just track you anyway like they're aimbots. yeah and the worst part is i played the first dlc city that never sleeps with a uh, black cat and uh-huh the first encounter introduces a new enemy type that's just oh and it's funny because a friend of mine was just playing well just finishing marvel spider-man he decided to play the uh first dlc and he's like wow that first fight was awful because that's the thing it's like the the it's like that we like for me it's like 
if I could take Spider-Man, but with the intelligent approach to designing enemies in the Arkham games, yeah. I'd have my perfect like superhero game. Yeah. Instead, it's like, even if I prefer how Spider-Man controls, that enemy design is like, sorry, Arkham still has the lead on that. Um, right. It's it's a real darn shame. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think, is there anything mechanical you want to bring up that I might have missed? Oh, oh, I wasn't even thinking about overworld exploration, like the open world exploration. Um, yeah, well, the one thing I didn't, the other thing I didn't like about Spider-Man is that um, you, you said earlier that the, it encourages aerial combat. And I thought they did a really bad job at making that look good. Where you pull a guy up into the air with you, like I web him. I'm hovering in the air somehow, even though I'm Spider Man and not, you know, Boba Fett. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I web him, pull him up to me instead of like me coming down to him. He comes up to me, and then we continue to hover as I punch him higher and higher into the air. And I'm like, okay, it doesn't need to obey physics, but it needs to look like it obeys physics. And that does not look like it obeys physics. It looks, it looks like cartoon, like Warner Brothers, Wiley e. Coyote physics. The funny thing is, for me, they make it. I'm not even thinking it that way. But again, like I'm thinking to. This is one area where I will compare to Devil May Cry because in both Devil May Cry Four and later Five, and DMC Devil May Cry, they give you these options to let you pull enemies towards you or you towards enemies. And with those games, if you are able to do it, if you know the right combos to do it or have unlocked the right combos to do it and know which enemies to grab, you can stay up in the air for a long time. And Spider-Man can't. I feel like right. they, they got this really, like, they, they want you to get knock enemies into the air. But, and that's where part of my issue with the game comes, my one issue with the combat, because you are constantly using that uppercut in order to launch enemies. Whereas right. it would be great. Yeah, oh, yeah, that uppercut is just, it incentivizes using that so much. Yeah. That it feels like uppercut, uppercut, uppercut. And it feels very one-dimensional. And it's sort of like the Arkham City stealth. It's like I have a hundred options, but one of them is ten times better than the other. So I just use that one over and over again. Well, it's not even just that. It's like there's no natural way in the flow of combat aside from that or a jump to go up into the air to start air juggling someone. But then you can't just latch on. Like you can latch onto someone and bring them to you. But by the time you're done that combo with the first guy, Spider-Man's already falling. And he does not jump right. that high. So it's like they want to emphasize air combat, but they also are going to bring you down real quick. And it's like you guys needed to study the the Nero gameplay in Devil May Cry 4. You needed to study. Um, and even it's, it's funny to especially say DMC Devil May Cry, because, again, this is something where all the Devil May Cry purists especially look at that game because it's also for them. It's too easy. Um, right. Like there are, there are things that you could pull off in that game that the other Devil May Cry's would never let you do. Um, but at the same time, like it's that, mo like the, the, the chains, which you can hook enemies to you or 
bring yourself like it's it's the mobility and Spider-Man's very mobile. But when it comes to that air combat, Devil May Cry knocks it out of the water. And it's oh, oh, it's uh and also like again, and it, like uh some of it is uh I don't even know how to like continue my thoughts because like I just played a little bit before the uh podcast and I'm just like you could be great. You could be so good. I have a I have a feeling if I played Miles Morales, it would just be more more of the same issues. Right. I actually skipped on it too, despite the fact that I really loved the original game. I just I thought, do I want more of that combat? No, not really. <laughs> and do I want more of that writing? Definitely not. Like that's not <laughs> what I was there for. <laughs> you know what's funny? I uh, again, like I just saw the cutscene where you first bring the mask to Martin Lee and I've been, unlike like the Arkham City series you wrote, I was reading that, I was reading your impressions after I played uh, that portion of the game. Right. So I was more paced that way. But with Spider-Man, it's like, nah, I don't even know I'm going to finish this playthrough. I'm just playing enough to get a feel for it. And when I got to the scene with where he brings the mask to Martin Lee, and I'm thinking about how you're like, what are the rules of this guy? And yeah, that just that scene where you bring the mask to him and he's looking at it and he's talking to Peter and you you're right. It's like the, that scene alone has evidence that he either could be on to Peter already and you know he 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 knows what this mask is or he himself is not completely sure what's going on. He just knows something right. is going on. It's like what 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 is the reading on this scene? What is going on in his mind? It's oh. But before we get on to writing in Arkham City, which this is probably going to be a long podcast, I hope you, I hope you don't mind me keeping you for a while. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, open world traversal now, um, and just open world in general, like the open world of Arkham City. Um, I wrote, was it last week? I posted at least. I think it was last week. Um, two different pieces, and one of them was distraction is the theme of the gameplay in Arkham City. And that's partially because I feel like this game, it's just like what you say about the story, right? Like Hugo Strange is like, blah, 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 protocol 10, blah, blah, blah. Go, go out there now. Go get killed, I guess. And (laughs) after that, it's like immediately the game's like, oh, by the way, go to the courthouse, go to this, go to that, go to that. So the main story's got you doing everything while Hugo Strange reminds you every so often, oh, by the way, that Protocol 10 thing is counted down. I hope, right. you, haven't, I hope you haven't forgotten I'm alive, you know? I, I'm here. I'm still here. Right, um, and I don't mind that in the gameplay. Like, that's a common thing in games. Here's a main quest, and then here's somebody is like, oh, I lost my teddy bear. Will you go? And you're like, of course I will. And you go and do, <laughs> like, the player chooses to go do side stuff. You go clean, but it's you get the frying pan that had the suit cleaned off. <laughs> right? <laughs> Never taken on a pan contract. Uh, but, and that's fine. That's totally fine. But when it's built into the main story, it feels super weird. Yeah, and... One of the things that I wrote is I feel like this is a game where they came up with set pieces first and then the story was used to tie it together. Uh, but I yeah, also and it didn't occur to me when I wrote it, but I I think that's the correct read on it. And well, I also think they wanted to tell another story with Joker, but didn't like they 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 needed to rectify like okay, we want the open world, but we need to make it make logical sense because again, like they 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 want 
they don't want it to have civilians in there. They don't want to do like Spider-Man did where you have civilians everywhere, but then, you know, you have the, the reaction. Like they want the, the, the prisoners there so you can beat them up at any time. So you can right. do this or that. Like they, they have all these reasons for wanting these things in there, but no civilians. So we have to figure out how we're going to have a big city block or a set of city blocks without having civilians. Well, that's when Hugo Strange comes in because we can't think of anything for Joker. This is how it feels. But right. that's also the thing because like right at the beginning of the game, right there on the way to the courthouse. Oh, what's this big green button do? Oh, it opens that thing. And that's how you discover Riddler trophies. So you're immediately distracted before you even get to the courthouse. And you don't even have to go to the courthouse to start doing trophy hunts, uh, Riddler trophy hunts. You have access to your grappling hook. You have access to, I think, the explosive gel. Um, I had to actually start a new game to test this because when I first started up, I didn't remember the controls for selecting that stuff. It turns out it's just a D-pad. How obvious. Um, but you, the, it's both the, the, the benefit and detriment, I think, to Arkham City that as soon as you jump into the game world, you're free to do anything. Uh, well, anything so long as you have the equipment, I should say. Right. But I think that's one reason why a lot of people come back and they're like, uh, they, they find Arkham City to be the best. Because personally, I do prefer that more linear design style of Arkham Asylum because I love Metroid. I loved the original Resident Evil with the mansion and everything. I love getting this intimate knowledge of this environment that I can explore and go through versus the big sprawling open world where I'm like, okay, I kind of recognize that landmark, but otherwise I don't really know where I am. But yeah, like the, the, that's one of the reasons I could see why Arkham City would be very popular among fans because you you start a new game and you already have some of the equipment. So if you want to, you can just already start going around exploring. You can start doing all this open world stuff if you want. You don't have to go to the courthouse immediately. Um, it's very, right. it, it, it feeds into what you were saying about tutorials Well, as well. If you know how to play the game, those tutorials are not invasive. It doesn't trudge right. you along through like the, the most is that opening sequence, which is like, we're going to try and half-life it up. Um, <laughs> not as effectively, but I didn't right. even realize, I didn't even realize, I think. You're talking I, about what you're playing is Bruce Wayne. Yes. I didn't even realize that was dead shot in the beginning until I think you mentioned it because when you next see him, he's got a mask on. What's really funny is there was one time and I wasn't recording when this happened. Okay. At that moment where Deadshot is in line with you and he goes, Bruce Wayne, you're on my list. And he gives you a finger gun. At that moment, one, you know, it, it's flashing credits on the screen during that whole sequence. And one of the credits that popped up was Will Smith. Now, it wasn't Will Smith. <laughs> it was just somebody named, you know, William well, Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's funny that... It said Will Smith at the same time Deadshot was on the screen because Will Smith, the Will Smith, played Deadshot. Yeah, it's almost prescient. Yeah. Right. That was a really funny moment. But I think you have to walk through at just the right rate to get that to line up because, yeah. you know, because there's free walking there. Yeah. It, it lets you roam around at your own pace. So that's not guaranteed. And they randomly have Black Mask there, like fighting with guys. He wants to talk to Strange. Um, it actually almost makes me wonder if the only reason Black Mask was there 
was because at that point, like, okay, Arkham Origins, the big bad, quote unquote, is going to be Black Mask. So we need to make sure people know who he is. Um, yeah, maybe. I, I forget how many years was between City and Origins. But uh, with the open world, though, like I, I made note of, I don't have any record of. Actually, maybe you would know the first Victor Victor Zaz call. Did you ever notice it was always when you were about to go into, I believe it was Gotham GCPD. It might have been the church. I think it was Gotham GCPD, though. Like the first time you're about to go in, that phone always rings. I did not know. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, the phone right outside. I did notice that's the first phone you see if you don't explore the, you know, if if you're just like following the the, the main story. Path. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, so it's not that that specific phone is designed to ring first. I believe there are other... Now now I'm nervous. What if I'm wrong? But, I, <laughs> okay, if I was a betting man, I would say, yes, there are other phones that ring around this. Actually, the first one? No, no, I'll bet you the first one has to be that one. I'll bet the other ones don't open up until you do that one. Because that one's very specific. And that one is very easy. Right, some of them, the the whole map is horseshoe shaped, and a couple of the later ones, you know, you're on one leg of the horseshoe and you've got to get around, so you've got to make a big C shape. And those are the harder ones, and you can't do those first. So if I wanted to, if I really wanted to do my own little deep dive of this, I'd have to start a new game over and over and over to just to see if that's the one. Right. It's like I'm because it's like I'm. Almost, it's like when you reach for the doorknob and all of a sudden the phone rings and it's like, oh, it's like, all right, tell me what you need, Victor Zaz. Right. <laughs> Zaz, what do you need? Yeah. And that's how it feels because then it's like I, immediately you walk away and you're about to go back in and then he does his first call and it's like, come on, man. And But that's what I mean. Like, that's a perfect example of how I feel this game's just design it's like even when it comes to the main quest the game's like hey 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 wouldn't you rather do this thing wouldn't you rather do this it's like please do this and it's like right um and what i feel and i don't know if you've ever i don't know if you've ever like just burned through the story of arkham city um but i ended up just kind of burning through the story i did not a lot of the open world stuff i just did what what was on the main critical path which is a surprising amount to give you a lot of upgrades not all of them, obviously, but you can get a lot that way. Oh, yeah. I have sort of sprinted through the core of the game. I think I put it on easy. I just wanted to know how I, I wanted to know how fast you could get through the game. And it didn't occur to me, search for a speed run. So I just <laughs> sort of like breezed through as fast as I could. And I forget what I came up with. It was, it was you know, X hours. And then I looked up at the uh, speed run afterwards and realized, oh, the actual fastest somebody that really knows what they're doing can go through, you know, four times faster than I just did <laughs> skipping every, you know, so there's a, there's a lot you can skip even if you're sticking to the critical path. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like it feels to me like the narrative, and this could explain some of the story issues because it feels like this game's main critical campaign is shorter than Arkham Asylum's. And that might be because Arkham Asylum is also easier to 100% and it's been a while right. since I haven't tried. Because, yeah, 100%ing uh, City is hard because of those Riddler trophies. God, there are so many. a billion of them. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest reason I never actually bothered with it. 
I was trying to remember, say, did I complete the Riddler thing? But I think I actually completed the Riddler quest in Night. And that's what I'm thinking of. I don't remember how the Riddler quest ends, if I ever knew in. Or you don't have to. Do you have to get all the Riddler stuff in order to beat the Riddler in City? Yes. Okay. Yes, you have to do every trophy before you can. It really pisses me off because once you do all of it, he basically didn't expect you to do that well. So he's like, oh, well, I'm going to have to come up with more puzzles. Okay, so he cheats. He says, I'm going to come up with more puzzles. I'll get back to you in a couple days. And then Batman goes, okay, well, I'm not going to wait for that. And he does some extra investigation and figures out where he is, where Riddler is. (laughs) Let me guess, it's something he could have done from the beginning. Yes, I'm like, why didn't you freaking do that ages ago, you ass? Oh my goodness. It's not, he couldn't have done it from the beginning. He did need to know where a few of the the hostages were, but he did not need to do all 400 friggin' trophies to do that. Oh my goodness. That's, it's what you said. He's reactionary. Uh, he's reactionary yep. Batman. He's very reactionary. Um, it's so strange. Uh, that's where I wonder, it's like how much, cause again, like when I, what interviews I could find with Paul Dini, um, dude's very professional and it make it, the way he speaks it, at least there was nothing negative about his experience with Rocksteady or Warner brothers interactive. Um, and he makes it just sound like, you know, Oh, they, they, they wanted to do in-house writers, uh, for Arkham Knight. So, you know, I, they didn't bring me back and he, no, no harm, no foul, you know, uh, right. people are like, Oh man, Paul Dini clearly had ideas and this, that, and the other thing. And maybe he did. Because one of the things I noted that you said was they, um, the Hush storyline, right? I remember right. completing the Hush arc in Arkham City, and I'm like, oh, man, is this going to be the next bad guy? Is this going to be the next situation for Arkham Knight? And then you see everything for Arkham Knight, and it's like, wait, what about Hush? He's, Mate, just, he's barely in there. <laughs> he's one quest, and he was so ineffective. It was so, like, this, this was it. This was the, the, your big plan all along. Oh, and I remember I had a glitch too. I had a glitch there. So no matter what happened, because it was raining, it was raining inside of Wayne's office. So (laughs) (laughs) this was your plan to sabotage the sprinkler system. Yeah. (laughs) You ruined this $300 suit. Hush. That was your big plan. Yeah. So it's like that, that was, uh, that was something that I just remembered now. And it was also too, it's like, oh, I'm glad, you know, cause I just got a PlayStation 4. I think Arkham Knight was one of the reasons I got a PlayStation 4. So I was like, oh, good. I just got a PlayStation 4. And yet I still see like old gen glitches and problems. So, right. Um, no, the, to, to, to dial it back a bit though, Arkham City's narrative, cause that's the thing. Like, I, I don't know if you got to read when I linked it, especially cause my, right up on this story was twice as long and a lot of words, but it feels like if they, they had like an intended theme, it would have been like, technically, if you look at Spider-Man, there's a theme to it when it comes to the characters and it's the whole, with great power comes great responsibility. Peter, of course, has great power and he uses it responsibly, sort of. Right. Otto Octavius, great power, not used responsibly. Use selfishly. Norman Osborn, great power. Use selfishly. Martin Lee, 
great power, also used selfishly. And you're right. I also, again, reading that, and it's like, man, he is a terrorist. His plan is awful. Right? <laughs> His plan is terrible. Like, if you if you if you hate Norman Osborne because you believe he's a selfish jerk, killing civilians isn't going to be a punishment to him. Right. Like, oh my god. And goodness. it makes you worse than him. And yes. It will make him more powerful. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Someone the, the, so it's like that that's a story where it's like they had the theme. And I can see what, what what their intent is. Unfortunately, you make your characters act stupid in order to make that theme right. exist. But then I feel like obsession is just like I feel like there's a there's a through like there's a running theme here, but it's everywhere. But with the two characters that need to have it, because um, it feels like every character has some kind of level of obsession. Well, not. I don't know. Maybe Penguin's got it just an obsession with being Penguin themed. Like, I don't know. He's got his music. Right. So maybe he's got an obsession. Two-Face is, I don't know if you'd call him an obsession, but he's already, it's his is built in. It's the 50-50 thing. Right. But Catwoman, and I guess it's obsession and compromise. Catwoman is working for that score, right? The, tre- the, the treasure or money or whatever that's stashed away that Two-Face had and is now in Hugo Strange's vault. That's her complete interest. Only that. Uh, Mr. Freeze. Again, character with... His wife, yeah. Yeah, character with the obsession built in. Could have been a much better foil in that regard. He's obsessed. Um, You got uh, Hugo Strange obsessed with Batman himself and being better than Batman and defeating Batman. Ra's al Ghul obsessed with his vision of a future and you know he he he's he wants batman he dreams a of a world with no due process that's yeah. his fantasy <laughs> with capital punishment but no due process yes right um, that'll fix everything but i and i don't i don't know if i can give a, a an obsession to talia but that's the thing it's like all these characters have obsessions in some way yeah, and then her, there's... her obsession, I don't think you could say in polite company, but it has to do with Batman. Oh, gosh. <laughs> really, the way she treats him in that, that game, it's like, wow, he was not nice to you, and you don't seem to mind? I don't know what your problem is, lady. Did he even oh, call goodness. you afterwards? <laughs> but, um, oh, goodness. Well, I mean, we don't know if Damian Wayne exists in this universe or not. That's true. That's true. Um, then you have, um, but that's the thing. You have Joker because that's the thing. Like the way the game ends. Again, spoilers for something that is spoiled in the beginning of Arkham Knight. Even um, Joker does not come off as being obsessed with Batman to me in this game. He comes off as being probably one of the smarter characters in Arkham City because you're dying. You need a cure, and everyone around you would rather see you dead. So what do you do? The you go to the one person that won't kill you and right. won't let you die, and you intentionally just you, you. I don't want to say trick him, even though it kind of is a trick. But you get him yeah. to do your bidding. You get him to get that cure, and then you still come up with a plan to steal the cure away because he's Batman. You don't want to think. Joker is not obsessed. He's smart. He's like really smart yeah. up until the end of the game. When he makes no sense. Yeah, but I do love his plan to infect with like at the 
at the beginning, I'm like, but why are you infecting Beth? Oh, because you want him to get a cure. That makes sense. You I know. know I could, Joker even tried to get his own cure, and he couldn't do it. But he knew Batman could. Yes, and so it makes sense. Everything like Batman is just a is not an obsession. He's a tool. Batman, and I, I, again, I wrote about this too because one of my th- one of my funny things is I Kevin Conroy is a very specific Batman to me. Yeah. And because I grew, I mean, I was perfect age for Batman, the animated series. I was a child. I was a kid. So like many others, Mark Hamill is Joker and Kevin Conroy is Batman. When I read the the Batman comics, it's Kevin Conroy's voice in my head. But, you, you know, that wasn't true until I played these games. And now all Batman are. No, that's not Batman. He's the he doesn't have Kevin <laughs> Conroy's voice. Even even in the movies, I'm like. Okay, you're doing an okay job, but you're still not as good as Kevin Conroy. That's part of the problem. Is see, I have no idea if uh, if Christian Bale would actually be a good one because they didn't give him nose nose holes in a mask. Is that why he sounds so funny? It's why he's a mouth breather. Like, think about it. He's like he's speaking so nasally. He's not uh, breathing through uh, his nose. Everything's breathing through terrible. the mouth. Like, that's my best guess. I can't think of any other reason that. They like everyone on set for three movies in a row, even though it feels it feels like it's the least issue when Batman begins from the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight rises, though. He's a complete mouth breather and he's it it sounds like he can't breathe through his nose. He's got to breathe through his mouth because and I can only guess because they didn't put in nose holes. That's my guess. I don't know why, but um, no, Kevin Conroy is great until Arkham Knight, where I just cannot believe him being angry. He is. Too oh, yeah. nice of a guy. You, right? His whole, even when he tries to be menacing, at the very beginning, that one line where they're like, what are you doing? And he goes, evening the odds. And he's trying <laughs> to do that edgy Batman, and it doesn't work for me. Kevin Conroy is the wise, clever, noble, always tells the truth Batman. Not this, not would, the, not the bone breaker Batman. I would not, not call the it thug Batman. I would call it common professional Batman. Yeah, that's a better way of putting it. Professional Batman. Because he's that's, not this angry rage monster. Because that's how he feels to me throughout the entirety of this game. And then the end happens. Because again, there was no indication from his part that he like this idea that these two, like Joker and Batman, are so linked together. It right. is not that in was the all story. In jo- that was all in Joker's head. He thought, "Oh, we're so connected." And Batman's just like, "I'm, I'm just here doing this job." That's <laughs> like, how it feels, right? And then at the end, he carries Joker out. He's like, "I'm like, what are you doing?" Yeah, it's, it feels so. The scene here's the thing: the scene is produced well enough. Like the actors are pulling off the 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 roles that were written. They the cinematic direction is good enough with the music it's one of those scenes where if you're not thinking of the logic to it and you're just sitting there as a fan that knows the history of the comics then it's like the rest of the story doesn't matter it's this moment that you're paying attention to and you're you're into it and i think that's why so many people will still talk about like it being this great thing because they're bringing all this other material into it and to me it's like man killing joke did it better like Killing Joke was actually yeah. about their relationship throughout the whole thing, and so and, and then some. Um, like there's there's other comics that just did it better. It's like this is 
Now, and for me, especially now, the best Joker Batman story for me really is the Dark Knight. And it's funny because I originally wasn't as fond of the Dark Knight. My buddy was just talking about it. He's like, yeah, I remember way back in the day you were writing about that. So you actually didn't like the Dark Knight that much. And it's like, ah, but I love it now. It's like I saw the Dark Knight Rises and it's like it, it, it clued me into what Christopher Nolan was doing as a trilogy. Um, right. But with this, it's like, oh, I don't I don't know. Like Arkham mm. Asylum was a perfectly executed Batman comic book video game story. Everything felt in character. All the villains felt like they had a purpose to be there. Joker felt like he was really in charge. So you had the clear villain with a clear goal, even if the whole Titan formula thing at the end was stupid. Uh, oh, like, where he where he made made himself huge. Yeah, that was yeah. like, oh, I've decided to become a Mario boss. Yeah, like, nobody oh, likes Joker right. Titan. Nobody likes Joker right. Titan. Right, that was very awful. But other than that, I agree. Everything before that moment, I, I even loved um, the game he was playing where he was threatening to shoot Gordon, and instead Batman blocked. Like that was a cool scene. But. So everything up until that moment was brilliant. And I think it was story-wise the the strongest of the games. Yeah. And of course, that's the one that I wouldn't be surprised if that had Paul Dini was most responsible because right. Arkham City, they had already brought additional guys in to help because like the, the DLC, right? Paul Dini mentioned he didn't write the uh, Harley's Revenge DLC. He didn't do any of that dialogue. That was all. You can tell. You can tell. It's not that it's horrible. But it just doesn't feel as good. There's something about it that feels like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, actually. Like, I played it just because I don't remember if I had played it before. And it's, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what I think of Harley's DLC other than, well, it's just more, it's more Arkham City gameplay. Right. It's more Arkham City gameplay, but there's nothing intriguing about the story there was nothing like oh that was such a good moment when they said that line and there was that the two of them had this look or you understand like there was no big emotional moment it was just a bunch of stuff that happened and that's fine but you could feel it wasn't written by paul dini you could feel it and that's i think the guy that led the writing on arkham knight oh that makes a lot of sense so <laughs> Arkham Arkham Knight was constantly trying to have big emotional moments that it had not earned. And again, that's where they started to it. That's actually where I feel a little bad for like I do feel bad for the 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 Batman actor in um Arkham Origins cuz I don't know what I think about Angry Batman. Right. I I don't mind him but I do mind him as a predecessor to Kevin Conroy. Like oh, that yeah. Months, yeah. He did not grow up to be Kevin Conroy. I'm he sorry. He did not. <laughs> He did not. But, that so that's part of an was, issue. That makes that, but that, if he had been just, like if this had been like an alternate timeline or whatever, bat you know, some different version of Batman, I'd be like, uh, eh, all right, that's interesting. But that's the thing, like I can buy I can buy his angry, his black mask, put a bounty on my head. <laughs> like I can buy that. Right, right. But I can't when Kevin Conroy's like, Where is the Arkham Knight? I'm like this is the right. guy that helps out all the old ladies at your church. And he's like, okay, I got to give my dog a stern talking to. Why right. did you track? Why did you track dirt through the house? And the dog's just like, Burr? you know, because this guy right. doesn't yell. He's the nicest guy in the neighborhood, you know? 
That's Kevin Conroy. So it's like he's he's trying, and I feel like you know they they stop recording, and he's looking at the director. And he's like, you don't think that was too much? You don't think that will scare the kids? Um, and they're like, you're fine, you're fine, Kevin. Come on, like you can be a little more threatening. He's like, I don't know. Right. Um, he turns it all the way up, and it just sounds like, well, sir, you certainly are in a lot of trouble. <laughs> though just, I wonder, it makes me wonder though. A part of it might be the direction, because at the same time, I'm thinking of some of the, his role in Batman Beyond, where he's cranky old man Bruce Wayne, and maybe it's like the difference in fidelity too. You have this animated character in Batman Beyond, but then you have like super high rendered Batman with all the pixels and the textures, and right? so like the yeah, delivery it, in the cartoon, it's fine, but then. It's like, it, it just doesn't fit this visual fidelity. Right. That's another thing. In Arkham Knight, they made the graphics so cutting edge. It really did. It's like going from animated Batman, which is my favorite Batman, animated series, you know, the 90s. Oh, yeah, series. yeah, yeah. It's like going from that to Christian Bale. That's what it felt like. And it's like, and that's not who, that's not the Batman that Kevin Conroy does, right? Um, that's and it feel like a, a step up. It felt like a step down, even though it looked more graphically like sophisticated. I felt like the original was just a better fit for the material, which is also a funny thing to me. Because going back to um, Talia's obsession, one of the funny things for me is. Batman, because I grew up watching the animated series and I was a kid, um, I was not yet a teenager and I was not yet, you know, growing armpit hair and all that other stuff. I was a kid. And therefore, to me, even though he technically had paramours, Batman was always like an asexual hero character because he's professional. He's calm. He's all about his crime fighting I, business i had the same impression when 1989 tim burton's batman came out and i was i was like 17 years old or something at the time and i remember being really put off <laughs> by his fling with vicky vale i'm it like seems so weird it seems so weird yeah. it's like how it come every batman movie he needs a new paramour no he's batman he's too busy I, yeah, I don't need to know who Batman is is hooking up with, but when that's, he's not wearing the suit. That's where it's also like weird to me that we have two potential paramours here, and his his interactions with the Catwoman are exactly what I'd expect. She's going to tease right. and, and taunt, and he's just going to be impenetrable. Right. Um, he's he's just going to pretend like she's not like he's going to not notice that she's flirting with him. Yeah. Or maybe he'll do one deadpan joke at the end. But that's where you have then Talia where, you know, she tries to peel the mask off. And then he's like when she see, sees that his face is all like gray and like you can see a little bit of veins. It's like he bashfully covers his face back up and it's like, huh, that's. That's unusual. And it's like, I know the history. Right. I know they got the kid, but it's like, it's still weird. It's one of those odd things. Cause to me, and it's like, I, I think is cause it's funny. Cause it's like, again, if we a different comparison with Spider-Man now, when it comes to the appeal of both characters, both characters are appealing to me, but for different reasons, I actually do find it interesting when a hero has a code, they really stick to. 
and uh-huh. the 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 story is about like tempting them and trying like this is why the dark knight i really like because the dark knight is all about here's your code here's how like iron willed you are but then the joker's going to come in and be like i'm going to i'm going to make you violate your own rules i'm going to corrupt you i'm going to make you compromise that's right. what makes the dark knight fascinating because but and that's the thing you don't really see kevin conroy's batman be compromised in most instances so i'm used to him being that character and it would be interesting to see it but like this doesn't feel like the right story for it versus peter parker who is just a regular guy he's got his code you know he's inspired by his uncle ben to do the right thing but he's also just a regular normal kid and it's funny that i i I actually get i've thought about for a while like I prefer the black cat over Catwoman, even though they're almost the same character. Right. Why do you have a preference out of curiosity? Does it one? I don't, I don't feel like I know enough about all the different incarnations of them, but going by the versions in the comics or not in the, in the video game, going by the versions in the video games, I think, I think I'd have to lean towards black cat too, because it, or, Wait, which is which? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> black, I, I'd have to lean towards black. I had to make sure. Am I really agreeing with you or not? Yeah. <laughs> I, the one that's like Spider-Man, I like it better because she gets the drop on him. She she fools him in the end and she plays him. I don't think that totally works logically, but it works you know, thematically and emotionally. Yeah. And I really like that better than the black cat that comes in and saves Batman. I was, I didn't like, and when I play through that and I'm playing as black cat, I always like, no, screw Batman. I'm here for the money. This is a, yeah. I don't want to save Batman. I mean, I, when I play Batman, I want to save Batman, but when I'm playing as black cat, I just want the money and run. See, that's, that's funny. Cause it, it, for me, the reason I feel like the reason that I prefer black cat has, doesn't have as much to do with black cat herself. It's basically a matter of who is a challenge for who. For Batman, I feel like Batman is more of a challenge for Catwoman, right? The one guy that can resist her kind of a thing and shows like no sign of, you know, letting his guard down. That's the challenge for her kind of a thing. But then with Peter Parker, resisting Black Cat's the challenge because he's just a normal kid and he's a teenager. So, right. He's got, he's got, yeah, really being that age and having somebody in that outfit flirt with you in that way is definitely a challenge. Now, at the same time, I still think the best arc, uh, I don't even know if I should say example of this archetype, because it is like the, the thief of the heart of gold kind of idea. Cause I think black, like, uh, cause she's what Felicia day is her name? No, Felicia Hardy. Hey, Felicia something. Black cat is Felicia something. Um, yeah, it can't be Felicia day. That's, uh, that's an actress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's Felicia something. She, I think, is similar to uh, to, to Catwoman, where she's not really bad, but she is because she's a thief. Um, but then you have, and I do think the ex, the 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 way they did her in the DLC, I think, is really good. Um, they got a great actress to pull her off, and whoever they did for the mocap and everything, perfect. But the best of that kind of characters, actually, in Batman Beyond. With 10. I don't know. Have you seen any Batman Beyond? No, I have not. It's 
oddly enough, a really good kind of a blend of Batman and Spider-Man. Because instead of having Bruce Wayne as Batman, because he's retired, he's too old, he can't be Batman okay. anymore. Terry McGinnis is instead the Batman. And I've never even McGinnis heard of this Batman. I thought I'd heard of them all, but no, Terry McGinnis. This is a new one for me. I was in early high school when the uh, cartoon started airing. So it was after Batman, the animated series, um, and it was a direct follow-up. Okay. This is the time in my life where I was getting married and having kids. I didn't watch yep. anything. I if didn't you, even own a TV for a few years. If you can, I mean, it. as most shows that were targeted towards children, they aren't like the most riveting at times. But I would actually say give it a watch if you can. Um, cause it's still enjoyable. Like I, I, I think I watched it as an adult not too long ago. Um, and was like, man, this is, this show is surprisingly good still. Um, and I, oh. I do not say that easily. Like I, I grew up on, you know, I grew up on the original Ninja Turtles cartoon. Original Ninja Turtles cartoon is trash. Uh, right. well, you have like, to remember, I grew up in the seventies yeah. when literally everything was super turbo garbage. Like for me, for me, um, when the eighties rolled around and transformers came on, that was a huge step up in quality, even though the original transformers would look pretty jank by today's standards. Oh, it's not even about looks, man. It's, it is about the writing and yeah. the original transformers has some gems. The, the most of the time, you know, a good representation of it is the animated film. Cause I love that film. 50% of it is complete garbage. Right. Um, and the other thing is we had to depend on like if you wanted good animated stuff back when I was like in my early teens, that wasn't that wasn't Western. Western animation was all garbage. You had to go to anime like the Macross saga. Oh, yeah. Oh, that blew my mind as a kid. I was like this story. It has emotional stakes and I care and yep. it treats me like I'm intelligent. Yeah. I couldn't get enough of it. Yep. I my I, I missed when that aired, but my brother was old enough to watch it. And so we would actually rent tapes from the library to watch Robotech. Oh my goodness. It and, came on. It came on every morning and like it I, I forget what time, but like say seven in the morning, and we caught the bus at seven fifteen. So I've seen the beginning of every episode. I've seen the first half <laughs> of every episode. Well, the original Macross is on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's one of the only ways you could see it unedited, the original Japanese story of Macross. So um, there you go. Now you get you got two recommendations of things to watch. But for Batman Beyond, Terry McGinnis is a, is a teenager and he's got more of an attitude. He's got the quips like one of oh, the, So he's not like a so he's not like a graduated Robin. No, he's a new kid that actually finds the Batcave. I forget how, but he finds the Batcave figures and, and basically his own dad gets killed. So oh. he he ends up um, reaching out and he becomes like basically Batman's like, all right, you can be the new Batman. Like, here's the suit. And Batman plays the mentor. So instead of being like Batman Alfred, you have this new kid who's like Spider-Man, but with more of an attitude, uh, but not like not a painful attitude, but more of an attitude with former batman as his mentor talking into his ear and i think one of them is like the return of the joker uh animated film that they made there's one it's almost a spoiler but like towards the end of the film like uh he's fighting this incarnation of the joker and batman's sitting there he's like 
He like it's like you gotta like you know don't don't do this don't do this. Remember he likes to talk, and then Terry's just like, wait a minute, I like to talk, and so he starts mocking Joker. <laughs> he starts making fun of his makeup and his old material. He's like, really electric buzzers, uh, water in the flower, get some new material, man, and um. He starts laughing and Joker gets like, ah, and it's Mark Hamill Joker. And it's like just one of those great oh. moments where it's like, what's the matter? I thought you always wanted to make Batman laugh. You're not Batman. It's like great. It's great stuff. It's oh, Batman Beyond might be my favorite Batman thing. Um, so, yeah, I highly recommend it. But to actually get back on track, um, 10 is a female character that comes from a crime family. She doesn't want to be a criminal, but what she gets torn between is the loyalty to her family. She doesn't want to do crime. She doesn't want her family to do crime. She wants to escape the life, but when her family gets in trouble, she, her loyalty binds her to them to help them out. And then next thing you know, she gets in trouble too. So, She's that kind of similar character. And after after Terry's first run-in with her, like the, the last line of the episode is uh, Bruce Wayne telling him, it's like, let me tell you about a woman named Selena Kyle. Um, so it's just this great character that I think, like again, because like, for me, when you look at Catwoman and then when you look at uh, Black Cat, like my thoughts is always in relation to the other person. It's always the relation to the two of them. But 10 and Batman Beyond is very much about her own, like, what what's keeping her from being fully good. And it's a far more interesting thing to me than Jules kind of a thing. In fact, it's the opposite. She wants to get away from crime for Jules and stuff like that. So Interesting, uh, yeah. Yeah, as opposed to the other one, which is just can't resist being the bad girl. This is she. She really wants to be good, but she keeps getting forced into the bad stuff for family. That's an interest. I like that. That's a new angle, and it's not just another Selena Kyle. Yeah, unfortunately, she didn't have a lot of episodes, but the show didn't last as long as it deserved. It didn't. Ironically, she was only a seven. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Um goodness i actually went on that talked about a lot of that stuff for a while um so to close this out i actually wanted to ask you because the next rocksteady project is of course going to be suicide squad uh, yeah i and then of course the next batman game is gotham knights and it's funny because on one hand i share your pain because to me the combat doesn't look bad but it's not arkham combat Right. It is and not. nobody else is doing it. So it's like, where do we go for more of that? Yeah. And at the same time, additionally, I don't like the numbers. It feels like from what Are we've you talking seen, about damage floaties over their heads. Yep. Yep. I don't like yeah. the level up. I don't like this stuff. It's like, come oh, on. Like, it's it, all wrong. It feels like Warner Brothers Interactive is like, we need a live service model game. We don't know yeah. which one we're going to do. So Gotham Knights, Suicide Squad, both of you be a live service model because that's what it feels like. I don't remember all the details. It feels like Suicide Squad has a chance of being that. And hey, yeah, they didn't show gameplay of Suicide Squad. That was all story based. And so we can still hope that it might have maybe some Arkhamish stuff in it. But yeah, Gotham Knights. 
definitely went the exact opposite direction. So I'm, I think the world could use another Arkham game. But oh, I agree so much. At the same time, I'm also curious if you, if they weren't making Suicide Squad, if you could have Rocksteady adapt a property, what would you want them to adapt? Uh, geez. Okay. Um, I think, well, this is almost like we're talking superheroes just to keep this from being too broad. Um, um I mean, if you want to branch out, but probably superheroes since that's close right, to what right. they've done. Right. I would say, I think Punisher is a good, um, is a good direction to explore. The guns thing would take them away from, they'd have to contrive a way for why Frank Castle isn't shooting at everybody. But I think a brawler about Frank Castle could be fun. Hmm. Um, other than that, who else is a brawler? It's the one of the unique things about Batman is he exists in that weird space. He's more super than like a Frank Castle, which is just some dude with a gun, but he's less super than somebody with superpowers. And that lets Batman exist in this weird space that makes him an ideal for brawling. Like huh. if you make a if you make a Green Lantern game, it's not gonna be a brawler. He's just gonna like, you know, hit everybody with green stuff, with green beams or whatever. Yeah. Superman. He'll just blow everybody away with super breath yeah, or I mean, laser eyes. I have wondered, it's like, how do you effectively make a Superman game? I think that is what? just a challenge we're not ready for. Right. Wonder Woman, thematically, I can't think of why she would be fighting armies of mooks. But that's a character that would do really well with Batman combat. You're right. That actually is almost obvious, almost too obvious. It makes you wonder right. why Warner Brothers Montreal, why, why Warner Brothers Interactive didn't think of it. Right. She, you know, there's all kinds of special moves, and she's mobile, but not too mobile. She doesn't fly in most incarnations, so you don't have the Superman problem of. Oh, I've started to lose this fight for some reason. I'll just leave. Like me yeah. from the major. Just oh, I don't want to fight you guys anymore. Bye. <laughs> and just go straight up in the air, and the fight's over. Uh, Wonder Woman doesn't have that option. Like Batman, she's stuck on the ground and just get a punch of the dudes. Yeah, I also would toss in Daredevil if you're looking specifically at superheroes. Oh, that's but a good. At the same time, how do you? I feel like if you that that's a different challenge. It's just the friggin' (laughs) That's the thing. It's like, okay, how are we gonna run out? I guess you just pretend the guy's not blind. I don't know. Like, how do you do that? But he doesn't also have he's parkour, but he he'd have to be in a much more limited neighborhood or world because he doesn't you're right, he doesn't fly, but he also doesn't like grappling hook. Right. Um, He he basically has to friggin' walk everywhere. And that's yeah, that's like a Frank Castle problem of okay, he's not super enough. I that I actually wonder too because for me Punisher because part of it is the guns like what kind of game could we make that's not just another first person shooter or Gears of War cover shooter like can you make a game with guns that is maybe slower paced more considered and do, like has a body count but doesn't hit the ridiculous hundreds that shooters tend to but I guess on, it's funny because on my part I went in a completely different direction. Because I intentionally wanted to step away from, like, I was thinking it's impartially because of tone. And 
also because of similar movesets without having to be the same gameplay. Uh, yeah. There's two properties I would love to see them adapt. The first is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but perhaps not stringing cops up and other stuff like that is kind of brutal and violent. Like something that's closer to the original 1990 film, but don't go like making it too. Cause these games are the weirdest teen rating game I've played. Like you get something that's super star Warsy and it's feel like halo and it's rated M because of like the fact that you can shoot other people. Right. And then Batman Arkham Asylum is rated teen. And some of the visuals I, in that oh. game are like so brutal so brutal like face that just a face slam onto the cobblestones and i'm like that is so much more graphic than shooting somebody with a pew pew laser yeah it's, especially it's, when it's mostly aliens with a pew pew laser so it's, right it's, or robots like yeah the rating system is really weird because but, yeah the, the the batman take the takedown animations are absolutely horrible just dislocate his shoulder and wreck his face well again it's not even just that it's like seeing like the cops strung up like upside down dead and everything like that it's oh like, yeah the piles of freaking corpses in the subway it's like this game is not for like 13 year olds man this is messed right. up like i don't want 13 year olds thinking this is victor, cool like victor says practically oh gosh yeah all of his like oh boy Oh, and when talking you th- about gushing blood while he's excited, it's just the yeah. imp- when you listen to the recordings with the Mad Hatter and the implications of Hugo Strange saying, "This is Alice. You can have her when we're done." Like, right? Do you know? Like, I, I heard that, and I was like, "Wait a minute, what? Did I not yeah, get that-, that the first time I played this game? What? Right? That's pretty freaking holy dark. cow! That's messed up." And yeah, it's like that. Yeah, that's. But if they could do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles without getting dark like that, uh, so the Foot Clan is not stringing up cops all over the place, right? Um, so it'd be more like the cartoons, sort of. Again, like the the nineteen ninety movie, I th- I feel like is probably one of the best Ninja Turtles things we've ever gotten, or TMNT with uh, the the CG animated movie that wasn't bad either. Um. I could go on a whole rant about how no one knows how to actually write Michelangelo, but uh, a good sort because that that nighttime tone is fitting. Um, a lot of the mechanics and the navigation again, like it would be mostly parkour, but they got grappling hooks and stuff too. So like, I, it would be really interesting to see what they could if someone could make a good Ninja Turtles game. I feel like they could do it. Or who also needs a really good game, The Predator. Because Predator Concrete Jungle was terrible. And I really (laughs) want a game where you play as the Predator and you're able to just like... Now, granted, now that I think about it, it's it's a game where you're going to be killing people most of the time. And I see that being like... (laughs) But it's like, I I love those movies, man. Right, but it would be like you jump into the middle of the fight like Batman. You pounce in the middle of the fight and then everybody just runs away in different directions. And you're like, oh... There's no fight for me here. But it would be that's the thing. It would be closer to the stealth and it would be less of a brawl and le- depending on the enemies you're fighting. But it would also be a lot more gruesome and a lot more quick. You're not going to be like right. punching guys out and especially stealth versus then they would have all huge guns that yeah. would you if you got if you got caught. 
And chances are, instead of watching you like break their bones and everything, it will be a much more brutal animation of ripping their spine out of their back. Uh, so right. yeah, we, we go from Ninja Turtles, which is please don't make it too uh, mature, and then we have Predator, which is give me that blood, man, give me give me like heads exploding and stuff. Like come on, like so no, like those are the two properties because man, I would love a good because I know we just had like the 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 what is it the four v one predator multiplayer game come out and i have no idea if it's any good because it's like i don't i don't care about games like that i don't do a lot of competitive shooters and stuff so right i want my single player game where i get to be the predator and i get to be killing people um give me my predator 2 simulator now come on maybe that's also part of the problem oh yeah predator 2 with uh danny glover in it that's right i forgot about that movie i'm one of the only people that loves it he's in town (laughs) with a few days to kill Oh, I didn't even remember the tagline. Uh, I believe that's. I believe that's. Um, it makes sense. Second Predator movie. It it, it it sounds like if I were to look it up on YouTube, I actually really love that movie. I know a lot of people don't, but it's so good. And that's exactly the the premise that I would have is like, give me this movie as a video game where I'm the Predator and make Rocksteady make it. Um, but. Eh, we're probably not going to be getting that, especially because they're still working on what wasn't suicide squad supposed to be like 2022. Right. So, uh, Gotham Knights mm. this year, maybe, mm. uh, we'll have to see. I, if- I want the, I, yeah, I want this wonder woman game now. Yeah, that would be, that would be good too. One that, that plays like, well, just like, a the wonder woman scene in the Zack Snyder movie where she does those lunge moves and, blasts people with her shield you know knocks them away like there's all kinds of really cool stuff in that scene that kind of feels like a batman style game yeah yeah that definitely no that that's actually what i'm mostly thinking of is that kind of a scene because yeah the way she uses because was that her scene in batman versus superman or was it in the justice league i believe it was justice league where she's fighting all those guys that want to set off the bomb and she just yeah blasts through the door and has a batman fight against them yeah i think i saw clips i saw clips from the original just whedon replacement release and then the new one right um wait did you write about that i feel like yes i did you did okay you did watch it because i did not watch the new justice league but i heard it's I I wonder if it's only good in reference to the Joss Whedon cut. <gasps> That's an interesting or, question. Like if you're like the Joss, like it fixes all the problems with the Joss Whedon cut. And so if you watch the Joss Whedon cut, you'll be like, oh, this is so much better. But if you saw only this movie, how would you take it? And I'm wondering about that because I've only seen pieces of the Joss Whedon cut when it's on TV. And it's like every time I walk in the room, I'm like, this movie looks bad. And then I just walk it away. Is, like it is very long. Uh, it is much longer than it needs to be. Yeah, that's what I hear. I because I've watched a few people talk about it and stuff like that, and it seems it seems interesting. But it is again one of those things where it's like now that we have something to compare it to, like even if this was the version that was boiled down a bit, and of course didn't have the ridiculous tacked on ending, right. would this be? Would this have been received as well as it has been? Or is it just a case of, see, we told yeah. you it would be better. And I said, like, yeah, okay. is this just the redemption of a terrible movie or is it a good movie in its own right? That's an interest. I can't answer that because I saw Joss Whedon's version. 
Yeah. <laughs> so maybe one day I'll try and watch it in pieces. Um, but we talked about a lot more than just Arkham City. This this went a lot more directions than I expected it to go. But you know what? It was great having you on. I was glad to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, uh, Thanks for having me yeah. on, Chris. Uh, I'll see what topic I could think of to have you on again, because I love having you on. It's great talking to you. Um, and for those that might not usually listen, again, like I have my website, www.ramblepack64.com. No C in that. I've been posting a lot lately. By the time this goes up, there should be at least one write-up on Resident Evil Village. I might have another write-up on Resident Evil 4. Um, and last week, you could see I had write-ups for Arkham City. And we also had the Resident Evil Village two-hour podcast. So, you know, one two-hour podcast wasn't enough. Um, but, yeah, um, feel free to listen to more, read more. Let me know what you think. And of course, I'll be seeing most of Seamus's audience. And of course, if you're not usually familiar with Seamus Young, Seamus, where can people find you? SeamusYoung.com. There you go. Check, Click on the 20-sided tail blog part. Um, but yeah, and actually, I'll, link, I'll, I'll put a link to the beginning of your Arkham City analysis in my blog entry for this because it's a good read. It is very interesting to go through and get your thoughts on the different elements. And I'll probably link you right up to the Spider-Man one as well, because that's okay. also really good. And especially because you will you will be really good at picking out things that I'll be playing the game and be like, huh, you know, I did. I like, oh, my, my brain just accepted that as like, this is stupid story stuff. Like, again, you point right. out, how did he know it was Martin Lee? That's Mr. Negative. Like, how did he know that? And it's like, you know what? I just bought into that. Holy cow. Like there was, I knew there was issues, but it's like, man, I wasn't really paying as much attention as I thought. So no, thanks everyone for listening. Um, and again, for Seamus's usual crowd, I hope you enjoy the no background music. I know some of you don't like that. I know some of you find it distracting, but um, yeah, hope to uh, have you on again and hope everyone has a good night. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs>